All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, alongside, as always, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. How you doing, Angie? I am great. So, you know, it's, I like my life settling down. My one kiddo's done with cross country, the other's done with football. It's like life's back to normal again. You know what I was thinking about, Angie, was um, we're recording this on a Wednesday. It's like 4.30. It's later than usual when we, uh, when we record, but... I was just thinking the other day how quick football season always flies by. I feel like I say that every year, and then I look at the college football schedule, and I think, oh my God, Civil War is in three weeks from uh, from now. It's crazy how much and how quick this season just goes by. I know, I know, and and it's funny how you. I mean, if you're like me, you. you I mean, you have recruiting coming up. February is awesome. Then yep. you have spring ball, but then it's like after even spring ball though. I mean, you, you're just like geared to the season, right? You're like thinking fall camp, fall camp, fall camp. And it seems to take forever. And then, yeah, it's before you know it, it's here and gone. And it's, you know, you're talking Thanksgiving and Christmas before you even get to realize that the season's over. Well, and, and, you know, I know a lot of people, obviously, when you get to December, you want to be talking bowl game. That's not going to happen for Oregon State this year. But it's an interesting time nonetheless because they're dealing with uh, a lot of moving parts. They're dealing with a search committee right now paid by the university. They're dealing with Corey Hall coming out and energizing the players, having the players start a petition. And there was a bit of recruiting news that came out this past week since the last time we recorded the podcast at least. And I kind of wanted to start there because that's really why I wanted to work with you. I, I think we have good rapport. I like, I like, you know, having conversations with you when we were at games. And the other angle that I think helps inform people is giving updates on recruiting because we all are interested in the future of Oregon State and how they're projecting out with the current coaching staff. I had a buddy who I ended up meeting when I was in L.A. for the Oregon State-USC game. They're the same individual that told me the uh, Anderson story about him him being out. He texts me. Uh, the news about the new commit, the, the three-star kid, and I wanted you to uh, hop on the pod. Let's let's inform the masses what's been going on in recruiting for Oregon State for those who maybe aren't on Twitter. Yeah, it's been kind of a crazy, crazy couple of days. So um, actually, we heard Friday that the Bees were going to pick up a commitment from three-star safety Isaiah Tufaga uh, from Hawaii. He is a um, player at St. Louis, so really good school for football um, in Honolulu. And so he actually, we, we just, I was, I reached out to him. He said, I'm going to announce this next week. I'm like, okay, cool. We're, we got the article all ready to go so we could release it when he decided to. And he decided Sunday was the day. Okay. Sunday's the day. And then within seriously another maybe hour after he commits, then the Beavers picked up another commit from a linebacker down at Cathedral LA, um, in Craig Francois. It was, I mean, Seriously, bing, bing, um, two three-star athletes committed to Oregon State. Corey Hall had been down in L.A. He left Friday right after the Beavers game Thursday night, jumped on a plane, went down to L.A. to recruit, offered Craig. And Cathedral is, one of those, is, a, is a great school, um, pipeline of football players. Jeffrey Manning and Eric Flemings were two recruits that came from there last year. So um, there's already some familiarity and, uh, I mean, these kids, they say they're committed regardless, but they're committing because they love Coach Hall. And then uh, Corey got home. He was on the phone visiting with uh, in-state local coaches in Oregon, offered a few more players, and the Beavs uh, picked up another commit um, in, Ke- in Keyshawn Dawkins out of Westland. So um, he plays tight end. I was When I first got that news, I was a little 
kind of just underwhelmed, I guess. It felt kind of like a Mike Riley offer where they'd, you know, offer an in-state kid that had really no offers. But um, the more and more I looked at it, did confirm that they are recruiting him as an offensive lineman, not a tight end. So um, I like that. It's Yes, it's a, it's a project. He needs, he's 6'6", 240, 245. But, um, you know, you put 40 pounds on him in a, in a redshirt season or in a two seasons and uh, look out. Well, can can you explain to the listener, and, and I actually would put myself in this category because I never claimed to know remotely the same kind of information that you have on recruits and, and how the p- whole process works. I've talked to coaches and they've talked about recruiting, but just, just fill the listener in on, I, I don't know, the impact this has on the coaching search where you're having a, an interim coach who doesn't have the the interim label gone and he's fighting, you know, you know, he's fighting to try to to be the, the guy for this, this university and show that he deserves a chance here. What does it mean for a coach like that who might not even be on the staff next year to go out and throw out all these offers? It, it's big. You know, you don't, it's not something you see that's fairly common either. Um, we saw it some with Ed Orgeron when he was down at USC um, and then Clay Helton a little bit, but Orgeron was the, is really the only one that really stands out as, as kind of being that guy that was still out there. I mean, Corey is showing he wants this job. And, you know, if he doesn't get this job, he's also setting himself up well for whatever job could be open that he could be considered for. So um, he is one heck of a recruiter. The, the players love him. But, you know, when it, when it first started, you know, back, back what, um, October 10th or October 9th when Gary left, um, you know, it was really kind of like this. They canceled all their official visits. It was kind of huddle up in the bunker, um, keep in contact with the commits, but it was really kind of tread water at that point. But just really in the past two weeks, Corey has really just embraced this. They are out recruiting. Uh, Arizona State will be a big recruiting weekend for the Beavers. They're, they're building a big official visitor list. So it, it is helping, you know, especially when these players are saying, we want to play for this guy. So um, you know, today in, in the lodge, one of the things we talked about, and I broke it down, and what kind of things Corey Hall needs to do right now to, to be, if he wants to be the guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, the first, obviously, is win. He, he needs to win a, you know, a couple games here. Um, but you know, the second is have his staff ready to go. And I, I do know for a fact he's been reaching out to people uh, trying to build a, um, a staff you know, that he can present to Scott Barnes and the, and the committee saying, this is who I have talked to, who I would bring on. And so that has to be recruiting-focused, recruiting-centric, but also a very strong offensive and defensive coordinator that um, you know, he can say, this is your job, run with it. Right. So lots of, you know, but recruiting-centric has to be the big part. I mean, I, th- I think every Beaver fan would have to agree, right? Like, even the ones that maybe, let's just say for arguments like you, the ones that are not interested in following recruiting. Yeah. We all agree that is the lifeblood. That is what is going to turn the program around. Let me ask you this real quick. Do you think Hall is is doing all this? Obviously, he's trying to earn the head coaching gig. Is there a chance, or at least is there a feel from, from your end, that if they don't go Corey Hall, let's say they go whoever it is, fill-in-the-blank guy, he is willing to stay on staff? Or is this his way of either fighting for the head coaching gig or going to get a coordinator gig somewhere else? Well, I, I think, obviously, his, his number one goal is to be the head coach. But, um, you know, it would be, and, and I think Scott Barnes has kind of alluded to this, that he would be putting in a good word for him or, you know. But the way he's, he's performing, the way he's got his team up, the way he's recruiting, 
that might not be an option to stay at Oregon State because he may have some higher-profile jobs open up for him um, that makes it more realistic for him to, to move on. Yeah, that I think that's the interesting part too. Is and I've said this before, and, and we have a lot of damn questions this week, and and we're gonna get to all of them, even if we answer them. I still kind of want to read them because uh, we really appreciate the listeners out there that are willing to uh, take time out of their day to send them to us on Twitter. Um, but I think Corey Hall is the kind of inv- individual that I like the energy. Nobody can say that they don't like the turnaround play and. The, kind of the, just the different look we've seen within the program. Even if he is not realistically a candidate, I love him to the fact of I'm haul in on him staying on staff. And I may have said that on the last podcast, so if I did, forgive me if, you, if you've already heard that. But I, I kind of think that's, that's where I'm at, just transitioning a little bit into the coaching conversation, Angie. I, I still think that's, that's where I'm at. Of I, I really liked the Colorado performance. And obviously, they. I still think they should have beaten Stanford. I mean, Ryan, they're a Ryan Null fumble away, in my opinion, of doing that. Yeah, yeah. And having a huge upset and, and the kids that did show up storming the field and everybody's going, whoa, this is amazing. I've loved everything I've seen. I love the energy. I love that he is a younger-ish coach that reaches that demographic you need to reach to, to get the kids to buy in. I am not in and convinced that he is a realistic candidate. I know a lot of people have written about it. They have talked about it. They have said it. But I talked to an individual this past week that said, LOL, nah, nah, $200,000 for a search committee. That's not where it's at. Now, that that can change. That can, And the person also said that. He said, you know what? Realistically, though, if he, if he beats Arizona, if he beats Oregon, if he can get two wins, it, it changes the dynamic a little bit. But right now, as much as people are on the haul-in hashtag, I talked to an individual I trust a lot, and and I'm just not convinced that he realistically is a candidate right now. Yeah, and I, I don't, and it's funny because I went back and um, I looked at on the the ninth of October when Gary left. Somebody said something like, you know, what about could Corey Hall be a legitimate uh, candidate? And I was like, no, nope, nope, nope. So now after two better performances than what we've seen, I'm I'm warmer to that idea, you know, mm-hmm. but. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, um, I mean, there's the Bull Baldwins and the Mike Sanford Juniors of the world that have the head coaching experience, have, um, you know, a, maybe a more polished resume. But, damn, Corey Hall has made it fun again. You know, he's made – Amen I, I to that. Amen to that. I tell you, yeah. you know, how many fans are like, dang. You know, I, I kind of tuned out. I'm a Beaver. I've been a Beaver fan forever, and I tuned out. But, damn, this is fun, and I love his energy. And – so you never know, and if he could, if if somehow, like I'm, I'm with you in the fact that if he can rattle off a win or two, you know, win Civil War, win one of these other three, that puts him more in the conversation. Yes. You know, I, I just was answering some questions for the Cal Cal uh, 24/7 Sports site. Oregon State has not won a road game since October 14th or October 4th of 2014. It's yeah, Riley. Yeah. Who, so, who was I mean, that win, by the way? Uh, top of my head. I don't know. Was it? <laughs> Let me. I'll, I'll go. It was, no, it was Colorado. Okay, yeah. Okay, at Colorado. Colorado. That's Colorado. right. I was at that game. That's right. Yeah, Colorado. Um, so, you know, if he's able to do some of that, he definitely has to be in the, in the, in, you know, the talk. But, you know, there's, there's been all the talk about he's never been a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had, a, I had a conversation this week with somebody I really trust that's been in this business for, for many years and or in the coaching business. And, you know, his, his response to me was, okay, 
being a head coach, though, is more than just X's and O's and being a coordinator. It is having a, a vision for the program. It is hiring coordinators that you trust and saying, do your job. But then it's that other, it's that CEO level of media, which Corey has done an amazing job with the media. It is fundraising with the boosters. It is kind of that face of the program and your vision and making sure that everybody's on board with that. So it's not maybe as far-fetched as, as some say, but I'm with you in the fact that if it, if it was going to be Corey Hall, Oregon State's wasting $200,000 on a bunch of nothing. Well, and, and I want to add to that, too, um, because Corey Hall, to me, it's a conversation worth having. I, I want to make that clear. You know, people have tweeted me, tweeted me, tweeted us a lot about that. And we have listeners out there that are listening right now that are, they, they are Hall in, right? They, yeah, they, they yeah. say, no, don't even deal with this. You have your guy. He's there. That's a-okay. I'm okay with the conversation. Um, if you want to take it a step further and say that the team keeps playing this way, whether win or lose, they're all close games down the end. If you control Khalil Tate or you're in a ball game against Arizona, who's balling right now, if you're close at Autzen in the Civil War or you're close with ASU at home or even Cal this week, great. I'm okay with the interview. I think realistically, though, uh, I, I would like to see a little more. He does, and I want to give Mike Doc Parker a lot of credit for this because I have him on a radio show, and he made a good point today. And I asked him, what kind of candidate do you think Oregon State needs? And his answer was pretty good. He said, you know, it's not that it has to be him, but I think Oregon State's in a position just the feel where a candidate like Corey Hall works. The Mm -hmm. energy, the uplifting, the positivity. Uh, You heard comments from practices that uh, I think you guys had today. You tweeted it out. um, Bright Aguebu saying, he lets us be us. It feels like we can be us again. And I I think that kind of stuff, that resonates, right? That resonates with kids. I'm just not sold on him as a head coach Long term. And, and I, I think that's what I want to pump the brakes on. That's what I really want to talk about on the, pod, the podcast today was not to discourage anybody. I, I'm with everybody else. Corey Hall, I'll buy you a beer anytime I see you at a bar, baby. To have this kind of turnaround and to bring some lifeblood back into the program and make, it, make me at least excited to watch a game. I haven't had that. Not one time this year except for maybe the first game of the year when I didn't know what was going to happen. So it's nice to see that. They should have won the Stanford game. They made costly mistakes and they blew it. But I, but, I, well, I was, uh, okay, go ahead. I was just, go saying, ahead. I was just gonna finish. Uh, th- the one thing I would say though is with Corey Hall, it, it just doesn't feel realistic. And I would pump the brakes on what you hear and what you see in two games versus what we want long term. And this may be a, a, a speech or uh, an opinion that I've given before, but I just want to convey it again or for the first time. The speeches are great. The play is obviously turned around. Nobody needs to tell you that. Just be careful. We fell into the same trap with Gary Anderson. I'm not saying Corey Hall is a quitter like Anderson. I'm just saying Gary Anderson was as quotable a coach as you would find. He would do an interview with anybody, and everybody would rave about, oh, the honesty, oh, he loves it, oh, he demands more. We all said the same stuff, and Corey Hall's messages have been great. Don't fall in love with the message. Let's inf- let's fall in love with the future. That's basically what I'm trying to say. No, that's, that's solid, but I, I, I totally agree with Mike Parker in that this program needs energy, and I hope to God that the search, you know, Scott Barnes doesn't fall into the trying to find a name coach 
because if given a choice, let's say my two options are Corey Hall or Jim McElwain, I'm going Corey Hall. Now I'm with you. I don't, I don't, Jim McElwain, by the way, to me is not realistic. Um, (laughs) He's going to make a lot of money to not coach next year. That's a guy that I would color as a color analyst on FS1 or ESPN next year, or maybe one of the networks, uh, you know, the, the flagship conference networks. I, I don't, I think the Jim McElwain thing is, is far-fetched. Jim McElwain to me, yeah, I just, I just don't buy it. I don't, I don't think it's a realistic candidate. There's a lot of names that are being thrown out by a lot of different media members and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus because this is what happens when a, a university goes searching for a coach. You throw out options, you throw out ideas, no doubt. Some of these candidates are stupid. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. Some of these candidates make absolutely no sense. They don't fit with where Oregon State is kind of projecting right now, nor do they leave you encouraged going into the future. If Jim McElwain sucks in the SEC, and by sucks I mean doesn't win it, I know he went to the title game, do you really think he's coming to the Pac-12 at Oregon State and he's going to the Pac-12 title game? Because I don't. No, um, no. I don't at all. And I'm with you, Angie. I think the one thing we can agree on, if you know, there's only one thing, I think Mike Parker swayed me. I, I do think maybe the energy, and, and this doesn't even have to be a race thing, white, black, purple, yellow, orange, I don't give a crap what color you are. If you're younger, maybe-ish, and you're kind of under you maybe understand student athletes a little more and you have that energy i'm all about that but you know last pod we talked about and i'm not throwing you under the bus angie but like you threw out a, a dennis erickson for example who says he wants to be the coach no like i love you yeah, dennis yeah. thank you for everything you gave oregon state in your short tenure but no i, I think i'm all in on, on going on the youngerish candidate and trying to hit on somebody no, I, I'm completely there. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter color, race. It, it matters energy and the want to, the you know the pa- the passion to want to be there. I mean, look at Brent Brennan, the the energy and passion he brought to the sidelines at Oregon State. Um, it, it, yeah, they just need young energy that can relate to student athletes. Exactly. That's, that's that's what I want. Yes. But they also have to be. You know, it's it's a fine line because they have to be able to relate to. The boosters as well. Yeah. You know, so. Well, the boosters, the boosters are a big deal because you want to finish that side of the stadium. You want to raise that money. Exactly. And, and, but you know what? It goes back to my just win. Just win, baby. Yes. Because it doesn't matter anything. The boosters, the, you know, 70 year old boosters could care less if you're winning every week. And that, I get, yeah, we, we're in lockstep there. Uh, you're winning ball games. You're going to get boosters you never heard of that are stepping up. Hey, I'm an Oregon State fan. Really? I mean, Chip Kelly was not like the most charismatic. No. You know, but they had no problem selling out and getting booster money because they won. Exactly. That When you start winning, it doesn't matter if you're charismatic. It doesn't matter if you're outgoing. It matters that you are bringing pride to something that's that's deeply rooted in an individual. You yep. know, like Phil Knight with the Oregon and Stanford stuff. Chip Kelly's winning ball games. Oh my God! I I went to Oregon. I I care so much about Oregon. Let let's keep <laughs> spending money at Oregon. Yeah, right. Like that. That's kind of what happens with winning, and yeah, it's winning on a different level, obviously. But getting back to being a seven eight win program, like that. That's all. And I have a disconnect, I think, with some fans, and that it's, it's a okay. But that's all I want. Like I, I would love to see a Pac twelve title game appearance. Uh, a Pac-12 championship. Obviously, we all want that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all you want to be competitive yes. and, and have these 
seven, eight, you know, nine win seasons, and you, then the you, occasional ten, eleven yes, win seasons. And then that's that's what people miss is I, I don't what I don't like in this process is I've thrown out I threw out Tedford. Well, I threw out Tedford because you you made me think on Tedford, and then the next yeah. week Tedford got a win, and you know I quote tweeted. I wonder because I just brought your point up. So how B fans would feel about Tedford? You know, he's only fifty-five. You blew my mind with that fact. I know. I thought he was way older than that. His record is—it's crazy good. And I—I I was just amazed, Angie. Like even taking a candidate like Jeff Tedford—not that he's a realistic candidate—but take Je- yeah. Jeff Tedford. Go look at that guy's resume. Oh, it's impeccable. And you know what I saw? No, a lot like no. Riley. I'm okay there. And I just thought. <laughs> No, Riley had such a bad ending to people that it somehow soured the taste of reality that his second tenure, he averaged about eight wins. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm a okay with that. That's what I want. I want them to be an eight win team where some years they win nine, they push for 10 and some years maybe they win six games or they're a non-bowl team. But for most part, they're an eight win program. I would love that. Yep. And, and Riley had that. We we're going to say had that until Riley didn't capitalize on those couple really good seasons. Exactly. And, and, and that's, a, that's fine to admit to, right? It plateaued. It didn't, yeah, it it plateaued didn't it. anymore. Yes. So, so, no. It's, yeah, the Tedford. I mean, oh, there's been, I mean, then that, that just opens up the whole back to Corey Hall. It all goes back to Corey Hall. And, you know, well, gosh, what if he brought back Pat Hill as his O-line coach? Or what if he was <laughs> able to get Derek Carr yeah. or uh, uh, David Carr to come as his quarterback coach? I mean, it's been comedy. Yeah, and um, I mean it's fun to talk about. That's what's fun, though, is is the what if game and kind of picking your, you know, what you do. Let's let's play. Let's go shot in the dark. Let's play a fun game. All right? Are you, are you ready, Andrew? Are Machado? you ready? Here we go. We're gonna play shot in the dark. Secret head coaching candidates for Oregon State. All right. The game is you list every. And I don't care who it is. You don't have to give credit to any reporter. But let's just list the names that you, in your mind, you think a committee that's making $200,000, you think they're realistically looking at. Let's start naming them. Oh, goodness. Okay, let me get my – you start naming some because okay. I have my I have my hot board here. So let me – got to pull my yeah. hot board up. A little sheet of paper here. Okay, first one I would go. Bo Baldwin. Are we agreeing or disagreeing? Agree. He is I, I, pretty positive he is on the list. Okay. Uh, Jim McElwain. I, I'm sure there's been some conversation. Yeah, I, I would think he's he's you, on the list. You think he is on the list? I do. I don't, but that's fine. I'll okay. put him on there. Okay. Uh, let's go Jeff Tedford. For our, for I our don't have him on my list, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have him on the list. We're going to disagree on that, too. Uh, you swayed me, so I'll give you credit for that. Uh, but the reason I disagree with you on that is because I think a committee will throw that name out there. And that's what we're trying to do here is yep. what the yep. names Who, the committee members committee. would throw out. Yep. Okay. 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 Um, let's see. What's another name? How about Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Jonathan Smith. We both agree on that, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, the Oklahoma State coach is escaping me. Um, Mike Yersich. Mike Yersich. Yes. I completely agree. How about Mike Sanford Jr.? Mike Sanford Jr. I was that's crazy. I sometimes I hate how much we're like in agreement <laughs> and stuff. Was going to go there too. Okay. Ken Neumatalolo. I am going to put him on because I've seen the national people go that route. Yeah. 
Okay. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two of those seven we don't agree on. But two How about we- Mike Norvell? Mike Norvell. Okay. Do you um, agree? Yeah, I'll put him on there. San Diego State's Rocky Long, former Oregon State coach. Well, the committee put him on. I don't. I don't I, have him on my list. I think they would because they know they can get him at a cheap rate, and he's okay. got the Corvallis experience. So I will say yes. Okay. How about Tim Drevno? Why is that name? Why can't he I? is um, Michigan's um, OC? Okay. Offensive line coach OC. Okay. He was with uh, Harbaugh at San Diego, Stanford, and Michigan. He does make a million dollars right now at Michigan, however. Yeah, you're going to pay your head coach more than a million dollars, though. You're going to pay that guy probably two, two and a half, three, right? You're going to want to try to go a little high if you're serious about winning, I think. So here's one I don't have him on my list, but some people do, is Arkansas State's coach Blake Anderson. You know what's funny about? I'm glad you said Blake Anderson. I I did first of all I didn't remember the name, um, but I remember reading a blurb about him, and I don't know how serious that is. Yeah, I just he did coach with Rocky Long at New Mexico, but I just I see no West Coast ties. I just don't see that being a a legitimate. How about Mike Bobo at Colorado State? Yes, Mike Bobo is a serious one. Yep. Um, I'm gonna go with the one I threw out a long time ago, and it's a sneaky candidate. And you can disagree. Dino Babers. Um, I think he should be, but I've talked to several people that say that he's not interested in leaving Syracuse. Which is interesting to me, given the West Coast ties he has. Yes. So. Okay. But so no, he, I would put him on the list because he's doing some great things at Syracuse. Okay, so I mean, I think that puts us at ten. Yeah, I'm just going through Alex Grinch. I don't think he. I don't think Mark Helfrich. Uh, I think Grinch is for sure in it. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Just a committee. Just, just hey, a, okay. you should what look at this guy. What about Lane Giffen? No. I, I, don't, I think the committee is going to realize he has no interest whatsoever. Matt Lubick? Or T. Martin? There's, some two, there's two coordinators that are um, coordinators. If you could... What's the, what would you call anti-Viagra? Because <laughs> I think that basically sums up how I feel about both those names. Okay, perfect. A guy basically that couldn't cut it at Oregon and another guy who USC fans hate. I mean, just do not like. But if we want to put him on there, we can. No, and then Scott Frost is not a viable candidate. Scott Frost isn't. He's got Florida or Nebraska. He's not thinking about Oregon State. Come on. I think Scott Frost would almost rather stay at UCF than go to Oregon State. (laughs) No, I completely agree. He's dominating recruiting there for his level. Uh, Charles Davis of Fox Sports said they have the best team in the state of Florida. That dude would much rather stay at UCF for another year and wait out the jobs than come to Corvallis. No disrespect to the Beavers. I love you, Beavers, but that ain't happening. Well, he he basically did that before Anderson because they reached out to him for that. The committee reached out to him or his agent, and his agent was like, yeah, Scott's going to think about that. Yeah, uh, I'll get back to you on that there, Bob. Uh, Okay, so that puts us at like 12, right? Two, four, six. Is there anybody else 15, we're missing? 12, 14. That's 15 names, actually. Okay. That's actually a good... good I can't list. think of more than 15 names. No. And that's... I guess this is the point, though, is... But I, I do and think... And you know what's funny? There, we didn't I even put Corey Hall on there. There could be um, maybe an NFL coordinator that might be interested. NFL coordinator or two. Here we go. I'll give you... Uh, let me give you one. Okay. And you could laugh at me at this, because I think this guy's going to be available in two weeks. 
Okay. And you're going to laugh, but please don't laugh too hard. What would the name Dirk Cutter mean to you? <laughs> it's better than some of the other names, coordinators I've heard. So, I think yeah. if Tampa Bay loses this weekend, and if it's not after this next game, it's going to be the game after, I think if they they lose their next game or two, they're going to fall to 2-6 and six to 2-7. and seven. I think he is getting S-canned quick. I think the fact that Tampa Bay is that disappointing, people are all out on Dirk Cutter. He gets fired. Uh, they finish the season out a crappy way. They come back with their talent get a new guy. Dirk Cutter, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he coached at Oregon, right? Yes. Okay, was so... He, a, he was a Boise guy, right? He was a Boise guy. Um, I'm not saying it's realistic. I'm just... I'm kind of spitballing top of my brain. If yeah, Dirk no, Cutter is I mean, available, does, interesting... that, does that entice you? Yeah, no, I... I I would talk to him. I don't know why you would. Totally talk to him. He's an offensive-minded guy. Yep. Granted, the offense in the NFL hasn't done well, but I, I also don't think that's fair to say. Well, your offense in the NFL sucked. How you know you're gonna be good in college? I still think he's a good football coach. Yeah, I mean, ASU, he was good. Yes. No, I like that. That's that's one I. That's a good one. It's, I like it's it. It's just a name. I'm look. This is a yeah, spitball no, list, but I get it. That's a I mean, name. From, I, I'm just looking at his bio. I mean, he's from Idaho originally. He's got fan, his. I think his nephew is playing in Idaho. I think okay. his brother coaches in Idaho. He's got the family ties here. He's got the experience coaching here. Yeah, uh, you're an NFL guy. I think you clearly could make a staff. What's his age? Fifty-nine. Mm, it's a bit older than I'd like, but fifty-nine. Yeah, that's a that's a bit. What's the what's the good age for this job? Yeah, I, I mean, when you're looking at an Alex Grinch or a Mike Sanford Jr., they're 35. What's uh, what's Hall? Hall's like 40, 41. God, Hall, 41. Young, just a young buck. Let's do this. Let's let's try to agree on a number. What's the age of the coach you would like to be for Oregon State? If we're both in on the young thing, are we saying 40? Yeah, I, I like that whole. 40 to 45 range. Okay. 40. Let's do, thir- let's just for Alex Grinch. 35 say, to 45. 35 to 45 years old is our ideal. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, that's, there's 16 names right there. And I bet you somebody is going to choose. What about this name that yeah. this guy said? Well, okay, fine. If you want to put him on there, some of these names, I think some of these names are being thrown out for clicks. Yep. Um, Absolutely. And I just, I just don't buy some of these big names you hear, man. Don't, don't trust everything you're reading on Twitter. Um, well, before Gary Anderson was hired, you probably heard this rumor too that um, it was all John Gruden. John Gruden was coming to Corvallis if the boosters. Oh could my God. Pony up the money. <laughs> was that a real rumor? That was a total rumor. I got to totally plead the fifth here, and I, I didn't know that. Oh really? Oh yeah. I, oh. I got that from a lot of people. If I would have seen that. On a, if I was on a message board, if I'm on Blitz message board and I see John Gruden, I mean, no disrespect to the human being or individual, <laughs> I'm calling you out if you think John Gruden's leaving Monday Night Football $6 million a year for Corvallis. You have to go, to go work every single no. day of the freaking year. No way. Recruit. And, yeah, yeah. John Gruden's not leaving unless he gets the top premier gig. And that, by the way, might be Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston. But... That's neither here nor there. I don't want to get into John Gruden hyperbole. <laughs> I just want to talk Oregon State. Uh, and coincidentally, of course, my laptop dies. Do you have Twitter open? I kind of want to get some I questions uh, before we get to the game. I do, there. and we have some Beaver Blitz questions, too. So Great. Let's get to them. Let's check it here. I have to. It's. I don't know if you have the same issue I do with trying to go through 
questions, but well, I just when I'm on Twitter, I use a uh, tweet deck, so sometimes I have to scroll back a little bit to get some of the questions. Um, but my laptop—I mean, my laptop literally just died. So, so here, Ty Boyce said, compare and contrast potential head coaching candidates Bo Baldwin and Mike Sanford Jr. Bo, wait, say that one more time. Sorry. Compare and contrast. I feel like this is a college question, Ty. Come Bo, on. Bo Baldwin and Mike Sanford Jr. Oh. Boy, that's a tough one. I, I Oh, God. That's a good question. I know. It's a really good question. I mean, they're both young. They both ran programs. What I, what I personally, Mike Sanford, that's like my, my number one guy. Is that your and number I, one? That's my number one guy. And I just, I like what I've seen from him. Why is he um, your number one? I, just, I love the pedigree. Really? I love um, the fact that You love he, the run at Notre Dame, huh? Well, no, he was at, see, I'm not a Notre Dame fan, though, but, but working for David Shaw and working for Chris Peterson, those two right there. That's not I'm bad like, to have. And then working with Brian Kelly. I mean, as much as I don't like Notre Dame as a football team, those are three pretty, and then his dad, he's grown up with football, right? I mean, yeah. His dad, his longtime coach. God, he's 35. Uh, it's, it's 35 too young. I, I, I do. That's a thing that I think about. I know we set it at 35 to 45, so maybe going against it a little bit, but is that too young? I, you know, why, why are we, why are we putting a stipulation? I think with, with him being 35, yeah, he's older 35 because he's grown up with the game. Yeah. He's a head coach. I mean, he has been a kid, you know, he's kind of like Brent Brennan's kids who are at football practice all the time. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the beauty is he's a head coach at a school like Western Kentucky that, you know, like they haven't traditionally been a power, but they've been built up a little bit. I don't know. I just, that's my number one guy. Why him over Bo Baldwin? I don't know. I mean, I think Bo Baldwin would be, Bo Baldwin would be fine too. And I know a ton of Beaver fans. And I, again, I think it just goes back to the pedigree. Yeah. You know, you take a guy who's coached at Stanford, Boise, Notre Dame versus a guy that's been Eastern Washington? Uh, compare and contrast. I think you compare them. Obviously, you can see some differences in what maybe schematically they're into. But uh, I'll actually go the opposite, Angie. I will go Bo Baldwin. He recruited the Northwest. He understands the landscape of here. Um, he's still on the West Coast. He's built, you know, not many probably, but he's built some ties to the California area. And he seems like a guy that took that job knowing that in a year or two he was going to be a head coach in a Power 5 conference. And so to me, he seems like a guy that's prepared. He knows, all right, I am making the leap from head coach at a FBS or FCS school to offensive coordinator in FBS because I know the long-term plan for myself. Mm-hmm. And so not that Mike Sanford Jr. doesn't, but Bo Baldwin feels like the West Coast guy who has a staff in his mind ready to go the moment he's hired. Yeah, yeah, but would he bring a... Power five coaching staff, or would he bring his Eastern Washington coaching staff? Well, um, well, I would argue that. And does that con- does that con- does that concern you? Well, I'd argue his Eastern Washington coaching staff almost beat Washington and Seattle, beat Oregon yeah. State, and pushed Oregon pretty well. But I see your point, and y- your point is not ignored because we saw what happens with a coach who's proven in Gary Anderson. If you don't get the right staff, and I guess no disrespect meant because the staff is coaching pretty well right now. But sometimes it doesn't always matter what your staff is. It's about how you work together. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Um, okay, so totally changing gears from coaching search here is a, is a damn question, and I'm, I'm, it's, there's a whole bunch. Josh Spencer, um, Orange and Witty, so there's been kind of a conversation here about the potential. First of all, do you think Tyner will apply for an additional year? And then it says something about with Nall graduating, will he grad transfer or go to the NFL? I don't know if there's much of an NFL there for him. Um, I, I, he will graduate as a junior, however, and could yes. grad transfer. Grad I could transfer. I could see the grad uh, grad transfer. If you power ranked him, I go grad transfer one. Um, I think he I do think he likes Oregon State. Um, you remember this when he was going through his recruiting. I, some people would make the argument he wanted to go to Oregon State more than Oregon, but you know he ended up going to be a duck. But I, I think it'd be grad transfer one, and I think it'd be medical redshirt two. Then NFL. I just, what's the NFL future there? Medical. He can't, Nall has, doesn't, no time, Nall. Oh, oh, no, no, sorry. I Yeah, I was thinking Tyner. What am I doing? Um, I think Nall comes back at Oregon State. You know, I would have said that this summer, but I think, and this is just me thinking out loud, Mm -hmm. that I think the way Marcus McMarion was run off, that was like one of his best friends and roommate. I think that soured him a bit. So let me apologize and say sorry for completely not hearing the question. I'm a moron. Um, Ryan Nall, I remember getting information after the first two games how pissed he was. Yeah, yeah. And he's not happy. NFL scouts have been there to watch him. There's just something about it where I could see him coming back. You know, if the right hire is made, if that coach does what happened in Eugene, like when they recruited Royce Freeman to stay, yeah, I could totally see that. Like, you're right. Get right ear, not fumble as much. He's not going, yeah, he's not going to NFL after this year. No. Well, he could. I think he's got an opportunity. But I, I don't know how high you go. I, I don't think yeah. you're like a top two or three round guy. I think you're a very no. late round guy at best. You could benefit from an extra year. I don't think he's grad transferring. I don't. I don't. I don't buy that for Ryan Nall. Okay. Um, so do you think Tyner comes? Do you think he applies for the additional year that could be a slam dunk, or do you think he just graduates and moves on? Tyner, I think, could graduate, move on. You know, what? I I would have said that too. Right up until, like, last Thursday, and then watching the way he ran Thursday has me rethinking. I got to totally admit, I was so confused by this question. I felt like we are talking about Tyner, <laughs> and then you said no, and then I started talking about no, and then you asked me about Tyner. I don't know who we're talking about. This why- is why I'm not on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't ask the questions. Thomas, is- <laughs> Thomas Tyner, I think he's... He's going to come back. He's going to get the medical red shirt. Ryan Nall, I think, is going to come back for one more year at OSU. There's okay, my, there's so you, my think, you think 2018 we're going to see Ryan Nall and Thomas Tyner? Yes. There we go. Boom. Okay. Sorry. No, see, hey, it's okay. I, that, that I was confused, too, because this was like a whole thread of people, you know, like weighing in on it. Yeah, it's okay. Um, is Christian Wallace still on the team? Yes, he is on the team, and... Um, it was posted in the lodge earlier today, so I can put it out here, too. Um, he actually was running with the first-team corners today. What? So that a lot is due to the major injuries and the DBs. <laughs> like but nine he, injuries? <laughs> yeah, there's eight guys in the secondary that are doubtful to Unreal. out. Um, but, you know, to his credit, now this is a, a young man that, A, struggled to get academically eligible, um, 
And then he's really struggled with the playbook and, and just learning technique of being a defensive back. So um, I have heard from several sources that he's starting to pick it up. All right. So, um, you know, I don't expect, you know, I, I think everybody sees Brandon, a four-star recruit. And yes. They expect him to come in and, and be all world. And we had this discussion on Blitz the other day, and somebody said, well, he was a running back in high school. Well, yes, but running back doesn't necessarily translate at this level to transfer over to running back. So you put him as DB, and somebody's like, why didn't they move him as a wide receiver? And I hate bashing kids, but in order to be a wide receiver, you have to catch the ball. So when guys don't have great success catching the ball, where's the next place you put them? Defensive back. Yeah, I mean, that's the joke, right? When a DB drops the ball, that's why you're on defense. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's, but there's truth to it, too. Well, yeah, there's no uh, there's no shortage of being an athlete to play defense versus offense. It's just about catching the ball. Yes, and then Jeremy also asked, is Xavier Crawford eligible for medical redshirt? Um, God, I don't remember when he actually got hurt. You have to – it has to be like the first – you could only play in four games. So I don't know where that fell. But um, I don't know. I have to go back and look at that a little closer. Um, good news on Christian Wallace. I would love to see him. I just I wonder for the three people, and this is very petty me, uh, petty of me, but I am probably one of the more petty people you'll meet. I have no problem admitting that. Are the three people that tweeted me that Craig Evans was going to be back a couple weeks into the season? Are they going <laughs> to tweet me that I was? Nobody right? said anything. I love that. I love that. I mean, I tried to tell you guys. I interviewed the damn defensive coordinator, and this was like week two. Or week one, and I said, is Craig Evans close to being there? And he basically said, we're preparing for life without Craig Evans. And I just, I simply said, look, I don't think we're going to see Craig Evans. We have maybe the opposite, but somewhat similar of a a semi-cooley situation. He's on campus, he exists, but he's not actually on the field. And I had three different people tell me I'm a moron. I don't know what I'm talking about. And Craig Evans would be back in October. Well, it's November. About that. Because I think that was just another media person that had, but you and I talked about that off the air because I had this, not a different source, but the same response about Craig Evans. Yes. Not playing. <laughs> and so we like, talk about it. And then like, seriously, like later on that week, another media source comes out and says that, you know, and so of course we look like morons, but now who looks like morons? Oh, it's unreal. It's it. I- it's not even like a source. I wasn't trying to source and no, be like, oh, I got the insight. It was an interview. I did an interview with the D coordinator. He's like, yeah, you know, we're just preparing and we're playing as if life without Craig was going to happen. Like, he just said it matter-of-factly. And you don't know what you're talking about. Evans will be there in a couple weeks. Like, oh, <laughs> all right, we have four games okay. left. Is that going to happen? Highly doubt it. So... I'm so, very petty but, again for this, but yeah, I, I just want to shout that out. Yeah. yeah, I know. Okay, I, I get like that too. I'm sorry. That just I, it happens from time to time. It's an ego thing. I got to admit, I got problems with that. But you know, when I'm wrong, I had no problem owning up to when I'm wrong. I just like when other people are wrong. They don't ever. You never hear from them again. And and thank you to Twitter because this I I can be petty too. But um, last week. I think it was it was um, what is it coaching or football scoop? Yeah, which I love them. Right, they have they, they do a posted, good job. Yeah, they posted um, about um, Evan Simon leaving to take a, a head strength coach and conditioning coach. And, yes, you know uh, somebody. I didn't want to like jump on there and be petty, so I didn't say anything on Twitter. But one of our followers, and I, I apologize because it's too far back now, but he actually tweeted at football at uh, Football Scoop and said, actually, Angie Machado had that information like a week ago. There you go. 
There you go. Shout out to Blitz on that one. Good job. So um, let's see. There's a couple others. I mean, there's a bunch here. Let's see. Um, is a third-year DB coach really getting consideration for the head coaching job? So I, this is what I, I wanted to throw yep. out early is, uh, I, even though the question may have been answered in the pod, I just real quick, I wanted to read the questions because we appreciate you so much. Yes. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think he is. I know a lot of people are writing about it and talking about it, and it, it's been fun. I'm with everybody in the... It just feels different, and some people are all in on hiring him. No, I, I don't think realistically, based on who I've talked to, he is a candidate. Um, he is 0-2. Like, not to be a wet blanket, I've loved it. They're still 0-2. Like, they haven't won and a game And you cannot let... I mean, yes, you want the football players to embrace a new coach, but you can't let the football team dictate how you're going to run a program that no. needs to be basically the moneymaker for the university or for the athletic department for the next way longer when they're gone. I was going to use a, an old adage that's been used plenty of times, but an NFL owner used it and got backlash. So I don't want to be destroyed this week by the PC crowd on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want the players hiring the coach. I yeah. want I want them to r- hire the right coach and then get and the, the players, players rally to buy around. In. Yep. Yes. 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 So three commitments in two days. Do these kids know something we don't? Why commit amid so much uncertainty? It makes me wonder. That's Andrew Larkin. Um, To be honest, Andrew, um, two of the commits, uh, Dawkins from West Lynn and um, Francois from Cathedral, really, this was like their big power power five offer. So um, uh, Francois did have a Washington State offer, but really it's not – you know, it's not like they chose Oregon State over offers from SC and Washington and and uh, Cal and Stanford. So there's there's uncertainty, but it's still their best offer they have. Um, second, things change all the time. So um, you know, a new coach will come in, and if it's not Corey Hall, and we'll either re-recruit those guys or they won't. But um, it's. It's, it's always a moving target. We see guys commit, decommit all the time. Well, and some of these kids, based on what I've seen on social media, it seems like some of these kids, no matter what, are invested in the program. So, exactly. They have friends on yes. the team. I mean, both, you know, Tufaga and, uh, and Francois both have former teammates and friends that are at Oregon State. They love Oregon State. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're in that way. So, there you go. Um, let me jump over and Beaver Blitz really quick because yeah, yeah, we yeah. do have a bunch of questions there, and I don't want to... Uh, to uh, Forget about them. Let's yeah. see here. We have, of course, I'm jumping from damn questions. We've got several of them. Uh, Matt Chiafoni, you always give us questions, Matt, so thank you. Um, he, he asked about Hall again. We've talked about um, over and under on basketball wins this year, provided they stay healthy. 20 wins? I can't go that high. I will take the under on 20 wins if you're going to play an over-under game. If you say 19, okay, I think that's the cap. I still think they're a little young. Uh, I'm, I love that Trace is back, the experience they're bringing back with the core guys that played mostly last year. And uh, the Thompson kid, I, I've heard nothing but amazing things about uh, the little Thompson Ethan, kid. Come, yeah, Ethan, Ethan, yeah, coming from Cali. But uh, no, I think this conference is going to be tough. Arizona's going to be good. Uh, I think, I hate to say this, but anytime Altman's coaching, Oregon's always going to be better than people think. USC might be the cream of the crop in this conference. I'd love a 20-win season, uh, season, Matt, but I'm going to take the under on that one. I, I go under as well. Um, DY8080 says, who is your top realistic choice? And if you had to place a bet, who do you think is the favorite? Oh, I love that question. 
the favorite. Hmm. I'm a betting man too. I'm a degenerate. I know you're. Gosh dang it. I actually have homework for you for next week's pod too. Oh. Oh. God, I don't know if I've, I've had that homework in years. I know, but um, you'll love this one. Okay, you know what? I'll go full degenerate on you. I will say your best odds right now, if I'm weighing them, Bo Baldwin is your favorite in the clubhouse. That, I was going to say he's the favorite. I, 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 Why? It's every reason I listed earlier in the pod. Hopefully you're a listener that listens to the whole pod and doesn't just skip forward. But it's it's everything I said. He's got the Northwest experience. He's a head coach experience. He's an O coordinator in the Pac-12. He's got maybe some ties, not a lot, but some ties in California. He gets what this conference is about. He's played against it. I will say Bo Baldwin is the uh, the leader in the clubhouse. Okay, so Weebee says, um, for, he wants to know, rate Bo Baldwin's effectiveness as Cal at Cal this season. Cal is 11th in total offense and Beavs are 12th. So I'm glad that you brought that into the conversation, too. That is, I have no problem ad- admitting or talking about Bo Baldwin in the offense. Their offense has been very inconsistent. Uh, I've actually watched quite a few Cal games just because I'm friends with uh, the Cal head coach's brother, jo- uh, Josh. Great guy. Almost was a Beaver himself before he went to Oregon. And his brother is coaching. Cal has been a surprise in the conference. They've also had some games where they've been extremely disappointing just because I, I think we thought they would be something and then we couldn't quite pinpoint it. That offense does rank the 11th. But I also think there are elements of dealing with that offense that need to take place or need to be addressed. Quarterback play has been all over the board. Ross Bowers has been three interception guy and then three touchdown guy. I know, he's been very inconsistent. Uh, They've played against just simply better opponents. When you play against USC and USC's locked in, that was a big turnover game. It also is against a USC team locked in, not ready to have a letdown. Uh, Washington, I know they beat Washington State. They look good in that game. Um, But Washington State looked like complete crap. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's the conference, though. Yeah, exactly. I think this conference is just a very up and down, and it's hard to label the best team. And then I know they just got killed by Colorado on the road. Uh, 28 points was still on the board. Uh, forgive me if I'm forgetting that there was a pick six or something like that involved. But look, I, the offense isn't great. But I don't think that's the measurement of who he would be as a head coach. I think you're dealing with a lot of inconsistencies from a young California team, mind you, that was picked to be last in this conference by a wide and margin. And transitioning offense. You know, I mean, they're going from air raid to more, you know, with some running and, and Baldwin's. So exactly. it's different. Um, let's see, what time frame, this is from Yakov, what time frame is most realistic for this hire? Will we try to get a coach signed before the end of the season to avoid competing with other schools similar, similarly in their own head coaching search? Uh, I would say your timeline, Angie, you can give me yours. My timeline, I think, I think they are going, uh, I think first week of December they're going. Yeah, that's what I have heard, too. That's the latest I think it's going to happen. Um, let's see. What does Hall need to demonstrate to further himself as a viable candidate? Yakov, go read my post that I posted because I lay a ton of stuff out in that. It's on the front page at Beaver Blitz. Um, has the AD or president given any clue as to who they are most interested in? Not that I have heard, but I can tell you that there has been lots and lots, several candidates or what would-be candidates have been in touch with Scott Barnes. So um, there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes conversations taking place already. Yeah. Um, are any major donors stepping up for su- sufficient support? I have not. 
not heard anything earth shattering on that front yet. No, I think some of that stuff is going to be pretty low key, and yep. I think people are going to speculate, but most people won't really know. We might hear more later. I mean, like it, when it was getting closer to Anderson, I started hearing more about you know big time coach, some of the big boosters. They were having some big booster meetings with yeah. you know like the top ten boosters, um, but that happens closer to the hiring. So. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, those. I mean, that's pretty pretty good right there. Um, my homework for you, Brandon. Okay. It, this came up. I think it was Blitz. It might have been on Twitter, but I think it was Blitz. But that list of coaches that you have there, mm-hmm. I want you. I can't do this because I'm not a good enough better, and I don't do it enough. They want you to handicap them. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll handicap them. I'll have so, them handicapped by the next podcast. Next podcast. You want that, that whole that, list? Well, take your top, I don't know, take top seven. Okay. I will handicap them. That's, is that, that, that has to be fair, listeners, that, you know. Because okay. I really, I, yeah, I see the five to one. I really don't even know what that means. So I would be like the poorest person to give you handicap odds. That's five to one odds. It's every one, every five you get one. Yeah, see, I'm bad at that. It okay. still doesn't make sense I'll, ha- I'll handicap the odds, and I'll have, I just wrote down, homework, handicap, odds, next podcast. There you go. There you go. See, um, real I'm looking quick, out for you, uh, damn podcast listeners. Yes, there we go. I'll do that for you guys, and and you can tell me how much of a moron I am <laughs> on the handicapping, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, real quick, we're at the fifty-five minute mark already. This is flying. Wow, Cal this weekend. Cal, they have played really great their last two games. They haven't won. I still think, and I maintain, if Ryan Nall doesn't fumble, they win against Stanford. Yes. Do we think they have a shot, or is this one of those everybody's thinking they're going to win or come close and they get blown out in Berkeley? Nope. I, you know, I just right before you called because this was a little later today than we typically do. I, I went ahead and uh, did my answers for the Cal Publisher, and I sat here and sat here and looked at my prediction, and I pick a win. Wow, they're really going to continue the momentum, huh? And I have not, and I haven't picked a win since early, early, early this season. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I said my thing. I haven't picked a win, but I just think this is the, the full, the first time they pull out a road win since October 4th of 14. Um, the team is confident, and I think we see this is a big turnover battle, a big turnover game. The Beavers are going to put pressure on Bowers, um, and I think a late turnover leads to a Beaver 24-21 to 21 win. I love it. Uh, we know That's the, what I went with. Okay. I know the atmosphere is not going to be particularly great in Berkeley. It never really is. Um, I love the confidence there. I, this game concerns me, and I hope I am incredibly wrong. This game concerns me that this is the everybody's all in, and then you get a blowout. Wow. Type game. Well, and then, and then this is just a little, a little. I don't know if this was the last time that November fourth fell on a Saturday, but a little, little side note: November fourth, two thousand, was a Saturday. It happened to be the day I got married. Happened to be the Beavers playing at Cal on the road, and the Beavers won. Um, right now, Oregon State is a seven and a half point underdog. Okay, so it was nine. It started the week at nine. Oh, it's been bet down. Yeah, people love the it's Beavers, man. So okay, well, I like that so, prediction. Um, yeah. Do we know what Seth Collins' illness is? Mono. He has mono. He has mono. So <laughs> the Kerry Agers report, which ended up being wrong, he thought it was Null. It ended up being Collins, huh? Oh, that's terrible. God, that kid just can't catch a break, can he? No, no. So, I, you know, I don't know how long that's. That's pretty long, I think, recovery. Well. But it's been, it's been what, 
two, no, it's been like three weeks. So maybe, hopefully, Civil or ASU. Yeah, I, I. By the way, that's a game to circle. As much as I've been impressed with ASU, they're coming to Corvallis, right? Cold. Yeah, um, they cold. they don't they don't do well in that cold. Yeah, asking about 2014. They didn't do yep. well in that game either. Nope. Um, all Arizona right. on the road. I thought that was a win at the beginning of the year, but man, Wildcats look tough. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not as confident in stopping Khalil Tate. I think that kid is a nightmare to prepare for. But yeah. um, hey, but that'll know. be next week. Yes, that will be next week's week. Pod. All right. Well, hey, great question. Seriously, great question. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for the feedback. I hope we got to. I you know I I I just want to say real quick. I don't think this podcast. If you're looking for like the EXO breakdown of a game, this isn't really the podcast. I'm sorry about that. I wish we could. But Angie and I more just like to talk about the current state, the recruiting class, obviously, the coaching search is ongoing, Corey Hall, uh, inside Oregon State Athletics, because we know a couple people. And, you know, if there's a if the Oregon State team is rolling or playing good football, we'll talk more football stuff. But for those the last couple of weeks, it was like, hey, you're not talking about the games much. Apologies. I, I think Oregon State has obviously turned it around with their play. Uh, I love what I've seen from Daryl Garrison. There hasn't been a lot. Yeah, it's hard to break. The, I mean, it, we do we do some XO stuff too at Beaver Blitz. So you know, we have a former player on staff who actually breaks things down, yes. takes a couple plays each game, offense and defense, and you know, tells breaks down scheme and everything else. But I, I don't know about you, Brandon, but it was getting really tiring that first half of the season coming back oh, and talking God. about. Yeah, it just so it got boring. Yeah. It got mundane. Yeah. So thank you, Gary. Right Anderson, now, for honestly, quitting. it's 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 got to be the you know the talk about Corey Hall and then coaching, search, and recruiting. That's, Amen. That's what we got to go with. Well, if they beat Cal, we'll have more football general stuff. But great questions. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again. Um, hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Go Beavs down in Berkeley, and we'll talk next week. I'll have handicap odds on these coaching candidates, and uh, we'll uh, we'll join you again for another edition of the damn podcast next week. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, noon to 3, Monday through Friday. And as always, Angie Machado, beaverblitz.com, your go-to spot for recruiting news and uh, Oregon State conversations, beaverblitz.com. We'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of the damn podcast.